Bible this morning, go to John chapter number 1. A number of years ago, they revised the uh, hymn book, that soul-stirring hymn book. And I believe it's at the cross, they changed a word in there. The hymn writer wrote it for such a worm as I. Somebody revised it and changed it for such a one as I. I guess they didn't see themselves as the rich they really are. And uh, the truth is this morning, we're nothing. Only thing good about us is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. And we're in a day where you got a bunch of celebrity preachers, celebrity Christians, and that is even bled over into the independent Baptist world. Man, we're nothing. But he's everything. I'm glad I know him this morning. He sure has been good to me. We're just an old speck of dirt that he sees fit to use. I'm glad he'd let us serve him. It is an honor. Amen. Did I tell you John chapter 1? I have... Uh, some years ago, I taught this in Sunday school here at Calvary. But most of y'all weren't here. And the ones that were, you forgot it in between Sunday school and church time when you went out to smoke a cigarette, so you forgot it anyway. I'm just kidding, they don't do that at Calvary. As far as we know, Brother Josh, I don't know. <laughs> but this is what's on my heart, has been several weeks since Brother Josh asked me to be ready to preach. John chapter number 1 and verse number 17. The Bible says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Hold your place there because we're going to come back to John 1, but look at John chapter number 4. John 4 and verse number 24. Verse 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hold your place there and grab one more spot. 1 Corinthians 5. And verse number 8, 1 Corinthians 5. Verse number 8. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You realize this morning in all three of those places you'll find the word truth? I don't know about you, I'm thankful for truth today. It's getting harder and harder to find truth. Most politicians ain't telling you the truth. They tell you what they know you want to hear to get their vote. Uh, you turn on the news, you don't know whether they're telling you the truth or not. Most of the time, they're not. And sadly, we're in a day where a lot of pulpits won't even give you the full truth of the Word of God. They tell you the parts that you know they know you want to hear, the parts that'll fill the parking lot up and fill the church house up, amen, but they don't preach the full counsel of God. 
I'm thankful for truth today. It was truth that changed my life. It's truth that helps me. It's truth we need here today. I'm glad to be identified with a church today, to be a member of a church that stands for and preaches the truth. I'm glad we had a pastor that preached the truth. I'm glad God has given us another pastor who preaches the truth. I've heard him twice now. He preaches the truth. Amen. I'm the most backslidden member of Calvary Baptist Church. But in all three of these places, amen, Brother Chris. <laughs> in all three of these places, though, it's not just truth by itself. That there are things that are going along with the truth. There are things that accompany the truth. And I believe it's these things that balance the truth. They keep it balanced. I want to talk to you this morning about balancing truth. You know there's a ditch on both sides of the road. I don't want to be in a ditch. You get in a ditch, you ain't going very far, you ain't going fast. Amen, this is the boot hill of Missouri. This is redneck country. You let it get to raining real good around here and them ditches get soft and soggy, some redneck gets stuck in it, they think they can get out. And they're going to try their best to get out of that ditch, but they, they're just spitting mud everywhere. You know, there's a lot of preachers today just spitting a lot of mud. There's a lot of ministries today, even in the independent Baptist movement, that they're just in a ditch spinning their tires, spitting mud. They're making a lot of noise, but they ain't going anywhere. I don't want to be in the ditch. Go back to John chapter 1. We'll look at three different things here about this thing of balance and truth. Brother Buddy Blunkall told me some years ago, he was talking about balance. He said, you go to preaching like that, he said, you'll make everybody on both sides mad. But that's a risk I'm willing to take if it'll help some preacher, especially some young preacher here today, or some young Christian to stay out of the ditch. So we got a job to do for the Lord. Now in John chapter number 1, go to verse number 14. Brother David Wood read this last night. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him. Take note of that word witness right there. And cried, saying, This was He of whom... I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now John, it mentions here, John is bearing witness of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, later on in the chapter you find where he's saying, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He's pointing people to Jesus Christ. John's not bearing witness of himself. John's not trying to make a name for himself. John's not promoting himself. He's promoting the Lord Jesus Christ. You realize this morning, brother and sister, as believers in Christ, we have a responsibility to reach the lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only right here in Campbell, Missouri, but wherever you live and all around the world to the regions beyond. We can't keep the good news to ourselves. But if we're going to reach the world, it's going to take grace and truth. So number one this morning, we need grace and truth in our witness. You ought to have a desire this morning to be a witness to somebody. Amen. God's been good to us. He saved us. We shouldn't keep that wonderful message to ourselves. It's not grace at the expense of truth, nor is it truth at the expense of grace, but it's grace and truth balanced, working together. 
we, we can't compromise the truth of the gospel. The fact is, God still hates sin. God will not tolerate sin. There is penalty for sin. There is a place called hell this morning. It's a very real place. It's not just some fairy tale thing. It's real. And we can't water down that truth. But I'm sure glad we can also give them the truth and the grace of the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Grace and truth. I remember years ago I was doing a revival meeting in Amarillo, Texas, and on Friday night some of the young preachers were like, hey, we're going to go street preach. You want to go with us? I said, sure. And I, I remember we got out there and we was preaching and there was a little snow cone stand set up off to the side and a group of teenagers huddled around in a circle eating their snow cones. One of them young preachers just went over, I mean, pushed his way into that crowd and said, you better enjoy that snow cone now because it's going to melt in hell. Well, did he tell them the truth? Oh, yeah. But did he have any grace? No. And, and not one of them young people were interested in hearing about Jesus or the gospel because of the way the truth was presented. I think about the Lord and his earthly ministry as he was upon this earth. He dealt with people in grace and truth. In John chapter number 8, you have the woman that was taken in adultery. The Pharisees bring her to Jesus. They, they all are ready to stone her to death. Jesus writes on the ground and they all leave. He said, woman, where are those thine accusers? Have no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. You know what he said? Neither do I condemn thee. That's grace. I mean, here's the perfect Lamb of God, no sin whatsoever. If anybody had a right to stone her, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, neither do I condemn thee. But he didn't stop there, did he? He said, go and sin no more. You know what he did? He showed her grace like she had never been shown before. But he gave her some truth. He said, go and sin no more. You need to get out of this business of sleeping around and shacking up. You need to quit that. Now here's, here's the message today and here's what the carnal crowd and, and the sodomites, here's what a lot of that crowd likes to say. Hey, you ain't got no stones to throw. Neither Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Yeah, he said that. And then he said, go and sin no more. Don't stay in your sin. I'm telling you today, if you are here in sin, if you'll repent and come to Jesus, he'll show you grace like you've never known. But if you really have a heart of repentance, you don't want to stay in that sin. Grace and truth working together. But how are we going to show grace to a lost and dying world when a lot of times we can't even show grace to one another? We're so busy fussing and fighting and feuding amongst one another and, and the devil's just standing outside having a laugh and a big time at that. He's like, I got them right where I want them. Now I realize this morning there are some lines that have to be drawn and there are some things that if we don't agree on, we're going to have a hard time having fellowship. I understand that. I'm not promoting compromise or ecumenicalism. I hope you understand that today. But some of the things that independent Baptists are falling out over is stupid. Brother David said it last night in his message. He said, you ain't got to agree with me on every little... And by the way, I did agree with everything he preached. But he said, you don't... He said, I'll have grace with you. I'm not going to fall out with you. He said, well, that's grace. He's given you truth, but yet he showed you grace. But some of you can't do that. 
Because you think everybody's got to agree with you 100% or you're writing them off as a liberal or a heretic. And you fancy yourself as a, as a champion of the faith. And you're really just full of yourself. Because you have no grace with anybody. We need to have some grace. I don't care whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Have a Christmas tree, don't have a Christmas tree, I don't care. I don't care. It, it makes no difference to me who you believe the sons of God in Genesis 6 were. Don't care. I don't care. Believe the gap theory, don't believe the gap theory, don't care. Oh man, it got quiet. Well, what do you believe? Now, look, I, you ought to know what you believe about those things. You ought to have some convictions about what you believe. But you ain't got to go around writing everybody off over things like that. Have some grace. Well, what do you believe, brother? I'm an evangelist. I believe what y'all believe. <laughs> you think I'm joking, don't you? Thank you, Brother Bob. How about grace? Have a little grace. Well, I tell you what, you get into the world of music, and man, we need to have some standards with our music. Amen. But we all do it a little bit different. You get in evangelism, you 50, 60 churches in a year, they don't all do it just the same. Last month, the Sunday before Mother's Day, I preached at the Mountain View Baptist Church in Cowpen, South Carolina. I sent you a video of it, Brother Josh. They had drums. I wouldn't have drum. Don't. But they did. And God showed up. <laughs> it's quiet. We had a good time. The very next Sunday, Mother's Day, I was at the Riverside Baptist Church in St. Joe, Missouri. They had an orchestra. And God showed up. You get in some of these mountain churches in East Tennessee and Western North Carolina, man, five or six guys are going to come on the platform carrying banjos and mandolins and dobros, and you know what? God shows up. Amen. Sunday morning, Brother Wood mentioned Brother Billy Boone. I preached for Brother Boone Sunday morning. Sunday night, we were with Brother Barry Goodman just down the road. Brother Goodman's got a platform as wide as this room here. On one side, they have all the banjos and mandolins and all the hillbilly instruments. But then on the other side, they've got all the woodwind and orchestra instruments. It's like, I always tell them, this is like, this is like Bob Jones meets George Jones. It's balance. But you think everybody's got to do it exactly like you do it or they're lost and undone and going to hell. <laughs> Just talking about grace and truth. My pastor, he calls the evening meal dinner. Now me and Jesus call it supper. But I'm not looking for another pastor, amen. <laughs> I'm kind of joking, you know. Grace and truth in our witness. Let's move on to the second one. Go to John chapter 4. You know, we read about Jesus where he went into the temple there where they were buying and selling and he turned the tables over and drove the money changers out. That's a side of Christ. But then it also talks about the gracious words of Christ. There's a time to take that strong stand and be bold. But sometimes it's 
good to just have a little grace. John 4, look at verse 23. Jesus talking with this woman at the well. Verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, must be some false worshipers somewhere, huh? But the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Number two this morning, it's got to be spirit and truth in worship. If our worship is going to be right in the sight of God, if it's going to be right according to the Bible, it's going to take spirit and truth working together. That's a good lesson. Most of you theologians, you know this. You're a smart crowd this morning, but... Verse 23, it says spirit and truth, spirit's lowercase s. Verse 24, God is a spirit, capital S. And then it comes back to spirit and truth, lowercase s. Now, Schofield says in his notes that both of those spirits are talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, I have a problem with that. Brother Mickey Carter wrote a book years ago called Things That Are Different Are Not the Same. That, that, capital S spirit is talking about the Holy Spirit. The lowercase s spirit is talking about my spirit and your spirit. You know, there are all kind of different kinds of spirit. They're not all the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was a teenager, I played basketball and and the cheerleaders would do that cheer. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? Were they talking about the Holy Ghost? I'm pretty sure they weren't. You, you drive by the liquor store and you don't stop, somebody say amen, but you drive by and that sign says wine and... Is that talking about the Holy Spirit? No, it's a spirit all right. But it ain't the Holy Spirit. There's many different kind of spirits. I think the idea of this truth is if you let the Holy Spirit teach you a good truth, whether it's through reading your Bible or hearing the preaching of the Bible, the Spirit of God will teach you a truth. That truth ought to get down into your spirit. It ought to excite your spirit. It ought to thrill your spirit. And it ought to produce some worship in your life. You know, going back to that grace and truth, If you have all grace and no truth, you're going to end up being liberal. If you have all truth and no grace, you're going to end up being a self-righteous Pharisee. But this thing of spirit and truth, if you've got all spirit and no truth, you're going to end up in emotionalism. But if you have all truth and no spirit, you're going to end up in formalism. So here, here's the ditch on this thing. You got one crowd, they showed up this past Sunday, the, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, and they spoke in tongues and slain in the Spirit, falling out on the floor, having a big time. You, you got the, the mega church, non-denominational crowd, and they show up with all the strobe lights and, and the praise team and, and the little worship leader with his earring and his necklace around his neck and his skinny jeans, and here he, we're going to just worship Jesus today. I bet you don't. The pastor's got his little table for his his latte from Starbucks and he's got his skinny jeans too and he's going to share with you a little thought to be a blessing, to bless your heart. You got got that crowd. and We we, we, we know that ain't right. There's a lot of spirit. I don't know how much of it's the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of spirit, but not much truth. But then over here, 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 here we got independent, premillennial, fundamental, temperamental, judgmental, Baptist. Here we are. 
Man, we, we got our King James Bible. We got our old hymns. We, we've got convictions and standards and doctrine and Bible colleges and bus ministries. We got all these wonderful things. And then the preacher gets up and preach about, preaches about our Savior last night. We just sit there. Oh, that's nice. Just dead as four o'clock in the morning. But we're quick to call out that ditch over there. That emotionalism. But then here we are over here. I said we. I'm not preaching to the church down the road. I'm not talking about the camp meeting down. I'm talking about us. Our churches are getting dead. We are drying up. And here he is preaching about the humanity of Christ and what he went through, what he dealt with, what he went to at Calvary so that we could be saved and be blessed and spend eternity. And we just sit there. Is that the best you got, preacher? I mean, we finally got with him a little bit about the third time. He said, am I boring y'all? But preachers shouldn't even have to say things like that when they're preaching about our Savior. Young people got up last night. Brother Jonathan's worked hard with them. and The young people get up, put their heart in it, singing, I'm still amazed. Amen. And we sit there like we're just bored to tears. I mean, my soul, if you can't get excited about Jesus, I mean, some of you got children and grandchildren up here. Can't you get a blessing out of that? I mean, there's mom and dads that got kids out in the world today. They're stoned out of their minds on dope. And you got kids up here singing about Jesus and I'm still amazed. Can you not at least smile about that? What in the world is going on with us, man? We've lost our shout. We've lost our joy. What is it? Is Jesus just not sweet enough for you anymore? Has he, just, has he not blessed you enough? Was the cross of Calvary not good enough for you? Maybe you've just watched so much television preaching. Jesse Duplantis and Rod Parsley, you got so eat up with all that fake stuff, you can't even appreciate a good Bible message. What's going on? Spirit, spirit and truth working together. It ought to produce some worship in our life. You got a crowd over here, they're shouting it out on Sunday, but they don't even know if they'll be saved Monday morning. They ain't got that blessed assurance. But here we are, man, we're not just saved. We know according to the book that we're saved. We know that, amen, we will stand in the presence of God. We'll spend eternity with him. And we're just over here bored to death. God help us. And listen, I realize this morning, I'm not, I hope you don't think I'm some kind of shallow Christian. Not every service is going to be a shouting service. I know that. Not every, not every service is camp meeting. I, I get that. There are times when God wants us to be quiet. I understand that. But good night, every now and then, it'd be good just to haul off and say glory to God. Hallelujah, it's good to be saved. I'm glad I'm washed in the blood, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Every now and then, it ought to just thrill your soul. It ought to just produce some shout and worship and joy in your life. You say, preacher, I'm just not emotional. Maybe you're not. I get that. We're all made different. I get that. But now let me ask you this. When you say you're not emotional, are you saying you're not emotional at all? Or you're just not emotional at church or about Jesus? Because if you can shout at the ball game, but you don't shout here, you're pretty sorry. 
Amen. That plain enough? You can shout at the ball game, but you can't shout about Jesus. You're just plain sorry. Amen. I'm not emotional. Well, let's see at Christmas time, ladies, when the Hallmark movies come on. And you're sitting there boo-hooing, pulling the Kleenex out, wiping, and they're all the same. I can tell you within 10 minutes who's going to end up with who at the end of the movie. When's the last time you shed a tear over Calvary? Over Jesus, over the goodness of God. When's the last time that stirred the tears? I'm just saying if they're in a ditch over here, sometimes I think we're in a ditch over here. I'm not trying to drum up a worship service. I'm not trying to manufacture something. I'm just saying, man, we need to get our worship and our praise and our shout back. I think what's happened, we're, we're, we're so busy calling out that crowd over there and we're so scared of that crowd over there that we have overcorrected to the point we, we just nothing. We know, we know we don't want wildfire. That is not the answer. We don't need contemporary. We don't need charismatic. I think we understand that. But we sure don't need formalism and dead. All right, you didn't like that one. Let me give you this last one. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I think Buddy Blunkall was right. <laughs> you'll, make, you'll make both ditches mad. But somebody will get some help here today. and They'll see that ditch and say, I don't want to be in that. Right now, Brother Josh is thinking, man, that message last year on Friday morning, that was sweet. But it's all Bible, amen? Some of it's sweet, some of it tastes a little sour at times. But if you'll repent and get your heart right, even that'll become sweet. 1 Corinthians 5, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, probably the most carnal church in the New Testament. And you read through it, seems very similar to a lot of our churches today full of carnality. Even the best churches, even the preachers that are still preaching the truth, standing for truth, you're still going to have some carnal people there that just will not get on board. Paul had to deal with that. So he says in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse number 6, your glory is not good. I mean, he just took the wind right out of their sails there. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Leaven in the Bible is a type or a picture of sin. You realize this morning as God's people we ought to strive to keep sin out of our lives. I'm preaching to the choir on that this morning. I'm preaching to, I believe, the majority here. You're striving to be a separated, sanctified Christian. I hope you are. That's the truth we need, that we are to be a holy people, a set-apart people. But it's not just truth. He said sincerity and truth. Let me say this last thought. We need sincerity and truth in our works or in our walk with God. We do not believe in a work salvation. Somebody say amen there. Amen. 
man, God saved us and blessed us. We ought to be striving to work for Him and walk with Him. But it's going to take sincerity and truth, both of them. I remember some years ago I was preaching a revival in Kansas. and The song director at that church, he had just gotten rid of his television. Probably a good thing. But he made it a bad thing and here's how he did it. Every night of the revival meeting he would come in and before he would lead us in a song, he'd say something like this. He said, you know, I was reading, I was reading my Bible this morning before I went to work and, and you'd have more time to read your Bible if you'd get rid of that TV. And I'm sitting there thinking, I liked him better when he had the television. It wasn't sincere. He was lifting himself up with his conviction. And so, I mean, every night we went through that, and I even wonder if God's thinking, man, go get your TV back. And I, I travel around the country. You hear preachers preach against television and things like that. Sometimes I get under conviction. I go home and get rid of one of mine. And... But I've heard some preachers preach against television. They were so mean and arrogant and nasty about it. I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, I want to go watch TV. Pray for me. I'm being honest. But then I've heard some of them old preachers. Brother Don Green. He'd preach against television and everything else. Playing cards, you name it. He preached against it. But he did it with such a spirit. That when he was done preaching, man, I was on the altar saying, Lord, I don't know exactly what you want out of my life, but whatever you want, you can have it. If it'll draw me closer to you and make our fellowship sweeter, whatever it is, you can have it. You say, well, what's the difference? The spirit, the sincerity. One man's just trying to get everybody to have the same convictions he has. The other preacher, he's just trying to get you to understand that there ain't nothing better than fellowship with the Lord. There's a difference. There's a difference. Somebody used the phrase recently, I thought it was a pretty good way to put it. They said, we don't need to get into competitive sanctification. In other words, you know, one guy says, you know, hey, I saw the Grand Canyon. Another guy says, yeah, well, I jumped it. You're not careful. You'll get that way about your convictions. We need to be people of conviction. Don't make it a competition. Our standards are not to impress you, nor are they to intimidate you, but there are sure some people that have that spirit about them. That's not the point. If your convictions make you mean and sour and nasty, you have missed the point. This ain't a competition. Don't treat it that way. And we're independent Baptists when it comes to music we mentioned a while ago or even dress standards or things. We probably all draw the line a little bit different. Okay, I didn't get many amens on that, but we do. And it's okay. If you find a brother, he's got a higher standard than you in a certain area, be respectful of it. And if you find a brother that maybe has one less standard, be a little bit gracious with him. Amen. Sincerity and true. Seven years ago, we, we moved from North Carolina to Dyersburg, Tennessee. And 
we, we looked at a house, not the house we ended up buying, but we looked at a house and we actually made an offer on it. From the outside, it looked beautiful, beautiful house. And we thought, this is the one. So we had already made an offer with, you know, the inspector's got to come. And he took a bunch of pictures. He went up under the house. He went places we couldn't see when we saw the house. And he took a bunch of pictures and basically the email said, run. I mean, he crawled up under there and saw all kind of wood rotting away. There was a place where you could see the floor all the way up through the fireplace to the, to the sky above. And he saw things we couldn't see. It looked real good on the surface. But it was a mess. I wonder this morning, is that your life? You've got the standards. Oh, and you're more than glad to make sure everybody knows about it. Even rub it in their face. But what's going on underneath? What's going on inside where we can't see, but God sees? You might be putting on a real good show today. You understand I'm not saying get rid of your convictions. Please don't take this that way. Not at all. But you ain't got to be a jerk about it. Don't, don't end up becoming a self-righteous Pharisee. Sincerity and truth. That's where the sweet fellowship comes in. With the Lord and with the brethren. Because you'll respect the people that have higher standards than you and you'll be gracious with the ones that might have a little bit lower standards. Just some things this morning that might help us stay out of a ditch. We got something to do for God. We ain't going to get it done if we're in a ditch. Preacher, you come on. Lord, I pray you'll take these truths this morning. May it help somebody. Help us to stay out of the ditch so we can do a job that you've called us to do. Do the ministry that you've called us to serve in. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name.